Hello, this is Peter Jonathan Robertson with the 91st episode of the PJ Archive. It's a phone interview I did with the brilliant and beautiful British actress Honor Blackman, who most famously played Kathy Gale in the hit TV series The Avengers and Pussy Galore in the Bond film Goldfinger. Honor died in 2020 at the age of 94. My interview with her took place in 2000, when, as she put it perfectly herself... I'm at the stage where I don't feel I have to impress anybody or worry about my career. I just, I'm at a stage where I can just do what I want to do. You were once dubbed by a tabloid newspaper as the permissive society's first sex goddess. How do you feel about that? Oh, dear God, what a responsibility. (laughs) I don't know, people say all sorts of daft things, don't they? I deny it is all I can say. (laughs) (laughs) To what extent do you think people still come and see you perform because of their fond memories of you in a certain 60s TV series and Bond movie? Uh, Yes, um, I'm sure they do. I'm sure that's certainly how they started. Um, and they went from Cathy Gale to Pussy Galore. But uh, they have followed me all the way through, an awful lot of people. Well, I can only say that because they all turn up when I do a one-woman show. Right. Many people in your profession seem to think the only true acting is in the theatre. So how annoying is it that the public usually best remember screen roles? Yes, of course. It's annoying, but it's common sense because they're worldwide and an enormous amount of the population doesn't go to the theatre. So, I mean, it has to be expected. The fact that you might think that your best work is done in the theatre won't impress 80% of the population, I don't suppose. I always think of it as my pleasure, and bad luck if they don't come and enjoy it. Enough people do, so that's all right. Absolutely. Do, Do you never tire of working, particularly appearing on stage? No, not yet, I don't. No, on the contrary, I think it's the most stimulating and the most fun. Television's quite fun. You don't have that much fun in a movie because Mm. there's always so much money riding on it, you know. Mm. There's an awful lot of pressure. I mean, obviously, there are people that that you work with that are fun, but there is always a certain tension in a movie because you've got to get on with it and the producer's breathing down the director's neck and all that kind of thing. Whereas in the theatre, it's a company. You're all together. You all go over the top together. You rely on each other. And there's a huge camaraderie, which you don't find elsewhere. Many actresses complain that there are limited parts for women beyond a certain age. Not half, (laughs) yes. (laughs) You think that's fair, do you? Yes, of course it is. And let's face it, almost all the playwrights up to now have been men. And they've always considered men the most important, men the most interesting. And thank God it's just beginning to change a bit. Right. But it is true. I mean, if you if you go through all the plays and try and find something that would be right for me, you'd have to go through quite a lot of plays. When you first started out as an actress, did you have any idea how long you wanted your career to last? <laughs> oh, that really makes me laugh. <laughs> because when I started out, I mean, first of all, I'd been to the theatre, I think, once before I came into the theatre. I knew nothing about it. I think I'd been to the movies once, or maybe twice, and um, I didn't dream that actors were people who had a job to act. I never thought it was a way you could earn a living. 
I mean, like an awful lot of people, I thought, well, where's their proper job, you know? Yeah. What, what do you think you would have done if you hadn't become an actress? Oh, I don't know. I fear that I would have been like my father and my sister and been in the civil service or something rather ordinary like that. Well, I would have created havoc. I was in the civil service for about 18 months because I had to earn my living while I studied because I didn't have the money to go full-time to a drama school. So when I went to a drama school, I had to do lunchtimes and the occasional lunchtime and the occasional evening, not every lunchtime and evening, and uh, work f all day. How did your parents feel about you becoming an actress? Well, it was my father who started the whole thing off because when I was 15, I hadn't been allowed to have a bicycle because my elder sister had the most frightful accident and nearly died on a bicycle. And um, so I hadn't been allowed to have one, which I thought was grossly unfair. And um, anyway, on my 15th birthday, he said I could have a bicycle or I could learn to speak like a lady because my vowels weren't very good because both my parents came from Plasto. So I knew what my father wanted me to choose. <laughs> it behoved me to choose it. Uh, in any case, I think I, I think I did want to. And once I went, I had the most wonderful elocution teacher. And she was bright enough and stimulating enough uh, not to give me the telephone directory to read. She gave me scenes from plays and poetry. And I was hooked. But what was your accent like before that? Was it, was it a really bad Plasto accent? Oh, it's difficult to remember. I have to look at the rest of my family now and, and know what they sound like. And they've all improved to a yeah. certain degree. You know yeah. how one does. Um, my vowels were bad. I don't know if I, I dropped my T's or not. But it wasn't a pretty sound. I suppose you'd call it, what do they call it, estuary English? or right. oh, I don't know what they'd call it. Because you've gone on to have a very distinctive voice, of yes, course. Yes, I have. Have, have you yes. always been happy with it? My voice? Mm. Well, I, I never really thought about it. It gets across in the theatre, which is yeah. the most important thing. But did you ever I mean, consider it, it a betrayal of your roots or anything? Oh, God, no. no. Uh, oh, I don't have such stupid <coughs> thoughts as that. Mm. I don't consider it a betrayal if you try to get on in life. Um, I think that's more to be applauded, frankly. Yeah, no, I agree. agree. Um, it, it's been also said that you have a dirty laugh. Do you consider that a compliment <laughs> or an insult? <laughs> I don't know. Um, no, I don't mind at all. I don't consider it an insult, certainly. In recent years, people have likened you to the TV presenter Mariella Frostrup in your voice and your appearance. How do you feel about that? Oh, I think she's enchanting. Uh, somebody once said that Mariella Frostrup was like Honor Blackman after two double gins or something. <laughs> no, I think she's lovely, and um, I don't mind in the least going in the same category with her. Somebody actually thought that she was my daughter. And? <laughs> I deny it. <laughs> <laughs> How does the London of today compare with the London you grew up in? Well, my memories of my youth are so varied. Certainly one remembers being able to play in the street and all that kind of thing. And when I was very small, I lived opposite the gates of Chiswick Park. So I certainly had a lovely time from that point of view. But, I mean, my youth was uh, part of the war, is what I remember. I mean, there was a program on the radio the other night, which I shouldn't have 
listened to. I was getting my dinner or something or other. And uh, I got hooked because it was all about the Battle of Britain. And yeah. I found myself pouring tears at the end of it simply because uh, I remember, you know, I was yeah. very young and, and everybody was such a hero. And I remember Winston Churchill's speeches. I, of course, I didn't realize the dreadful import of what would happen if, if we didn't win. But, I mean, everybody was such a hero. Douglas Bader was such a hero. And, and uh, towards the end of the war, anyway, I was a volunteer dispatch rider. And I used to drive about London when the doodlebugs were dropping. Yeah. And I couldn't hear them because mm. of the engine. So, I mean, I could have been blown up at every, mm. any given moment. But, uh, you know, when you're young, you think it's not going to happen to you. Talking of when you're young, have you always liked your name Honor? And did anyone ever suggest that you change your name when you went into acting? Oh, yes. At the beginning of my career, they neither liked Honor nor did they like Blackman. Right. And they wanted, I don't know, they wanted to call me Sandra or Marilyn or something. <laughs> like that. They said, you can't possibly succeed with that name. And at that time, I don't know if you know an actress called Googie Withers. Yes, of course, yeah. And um, Within these I said, if Googie Withers can make it, I'll make it. So you're very keen to hang, you're very proud yes. of your name. Oh, yes, yeah. I didn't want to change. What do you reckon was your big break as an actress? Well, I mean, first of all, to get into the business, I suppose mm. to have got the first job that I got, which was under studying in the West End. Right. which immediately led me to, because I played for my principal when we were on a prior to London tour, and the director came to see me and thought I was good, and, and he put me in the next play as a principal, uh, which was an absolute nightmare because I was so inexperienced, and he was at me the whole time. It was a dear called Jack Minster. Mm. He was a terribly sarcastic man, and he used to tear people to pieces. Mm. But he, he gave me absolute hell and um, I, I, I knew I was going to be fired any moment and one day he said to me during rehearsal come to tea I said um, no I've got a fitting or something uh, which in fact was true but it yeah. was any excuse and then he said the next day come to tea I thought well come on face up to it Donna so I went to tea with him and I can remember to this day some grotty place with very thick cups and he said, you're having a hell of a time, aren't you? And I said, yes. <laughs> <laughs> and he said, yes, I know, but everybody else in the cast has years and years and years of experience over you. You wouldn't be there if I didn't think you could do it, so take heart. How Which, much of a help to your early career was being a busty blonde? Oh, I'm sure it was. I mean, if you're pretty, in those days, if you were pretty and certainly... If you had a bosom, and I certainly had a bosom. Um, uh, yes, I mean, it's, I'm afraid it still helps, doesn't mm. it, some? The only thing about today that is wonderful, if you look at the first half dozen very best actresses in England, you'll find an awful lot of them aren't pretty. Before you did The Avengers and Goldfinger, how we, aware were you what huge successes they would be? I had no idea that the Avengers would be a success like that. No idea at all. How does one know? Mm. I mean, it, it was groundbreaking, the idea of a woman being equal to a man intellectually 
And then on top of all that, physically being able to defend herself and mm. not having to be protected by a big man, um, I, I mean, it was very, very, well, not, not to say unusual, it had never been done before. Groundbreaking, pioneering, yeah. yeah. And, um, and then, by sheer accident, of course, I went into the leather because I split my trousers yeah. with my backside to the camera doing a fight early on. And they were, oh, tut, 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 we can't have this. <laughs> to what extent do you feel your ongoing popularity has been due to those roles, you know, Cathy Gale and Pussy Well, it must, it, it must be uh, a great deal to do with it, in as much as it was what brought my name uh, into the public arena. I mean, I was very lucky in as much as I was under contract to rank when I was, what, 21. And so I did make quite a few films and that established me to a certain extent then i bitched all that up by going to canada and ruining my life to a certain extent and then um, when i came back i had to start again and it didn't really take off properly until i did the avengers have you ever had cause to use your judo skills since the avengers no i've had one occasion when i ought to have but my mother was there and i was Afraid if I missed with my karate chop, <laughs> the chap with a knife would do something nice to us. So, oh right, is that? So the, I didn't. That was the attack on your home, was it? Those years. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, that that was the first, the first time he came. Right. Not the second time. Yes. Yeah. How much contact did you have with Patrick McNee after the Avengers? Oh, isn't that funny? Because I just pre-recorded the Gloria Hannaford show yesterday, and um, she got Patrick on the phone from Palm Springs. Have you, have you remained friends with him all this oh, time? Oh, yeah. yeah. He's lovely. Yeah. And bless his heart, he says he really doesn't walk very well now. He mm. wasn't walking. I saw him about 18 months ago in Palm Springs. and mm. he, he was using a stick there, and he says he doesn't walk very well at all now, poor lamb. What did you think of last year's film of The Avengers? I didn't see it. I certainly couldn't be bothered. Well, I mean, I think it's perfectly stupid. Everything that The Avengers had going for it was sort of current, wasn't it? No, no woman had played this kind of part before. No woman had fought before. Um, that kind of relationship, or will she, won't she, doesn't apply anymore because you don't even know somebody's name and you get into bed with them these days. So everything it had going for it, it is so outdated. It was stupid to start, I think. So you won't be watching it when it comes on TV or no, video? I won't. No, I won't. <laughs> <laughs> when you landed the role of Pussy Galore, how shocked were you at having to play a character with such a naughty name? I don't think it bothered me in the slightest. It was really put right under my nose when I went to the States to promote the film because there were certain um, interviewers who wouldn't use the name and asked mm-hmm. me, how could I possibly, what you just asked me, how yeah. could I play such a part? <laughs> I mean, if you're going to take Ian Fleming, for God's sake, that seriously. Yeah. How do you think recent Bond films have compared to the Sean Connery era? Oh, dear, I wish you wouldn't ask, because I've probably only seen one. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I saw The World Is Not Enough. Right. Is that, was that yes. it? Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. With, um, um... Pierce Brosnan. Pierce Brosnan. Yeah. And, um... I met him, too, and I think he's delicious. Right. And I thought that was very good, actually. Right. I thought it was very good. I've, I haven't been attracted to go to see the others. I mean, Roger's a dear, but Roger isn't a Bond. And he, I mean, I think he knew that he wasn't 
anything like Sean and played it sort of tongue in cheek. And Sean was was in your face, uh, James Bond, you know. And are you still in touch with him? I'm not in touch with Sean. I, I met him a few years ago at his, what was it, 60th birthday or something. No, we're not. I mean, he's always in Spain, isn't he? Or making movies in the States. No, I'm not. Do you think he's still got it? I think he's still very, very attractive, yes. Mm. I know of no other man of that sort of age that is that attractive. Do you think the roles of Cathy Gale and Pussy Galore were an advantage or a disadvantage to your career? Oh, they have to be an advantage. They have to be an advantage because, A, they were so successful and therefore brought you into the, the, the public eye and uh, internationally got one known and... It's a great uh, springboard to all sorts of other things. Would you like to have gone on to become a big Hollywood star? Well, I suppose I could have, in as much as things were offered. But it so happened that I went there to make a film with Gene Seberg. Mervyn Leroy directed it. Actually, that would have changed my life if it had been a successful film. I got all the notices says she modestly but I mean dear Mervyn uh, was good with gunfighters and gangsters and that sort of thing but he for something that deals with the emotions Mm. that's not his line of country and he shouldn't have directed it I loved him dearly and he gave me huge freedom that's I think why I was so good but uh, it wasn't the right picture for him to direct did you ever consider moving to America to pursue a Hollywood dream no never no never simply because I don't like the way they look at things. Over here, it's wonderful. You can work in all three media and uh, stay in London. That's one, one mm. thing. You can have friends that have been out of work for a year and they're still friends and you still go out and have dinner and all the rest of it. Over there, you can't touch unsuccess. You sort of go to dinner parties and you know everybody there earns a similar amount of money. They're all in echelons of money. It's, that's your value. How much did you enjoy doing the sitcom The Upper Hand? Oh, I loved it. Uh, I loved it. I loved it. I mean, it was a great fun part to play. We were all like a family. And I, it really was astonishing we ever got the show on because we laughed so much in rehearsal. We really did enjoy ourselves. And that, it was very funny. I seemed to spend my life playing sort of groundbreaking roles in mm. as much as I got such interest from middle-aged ladies who would write and say or say to me, my God, you've given me a new lease of life by playing that part because we realize we don't all have to be on the shelf. You know, I was quite often stopped in Marks and Spencers or wherever <laughs> and with these women saying, oh, good on you, more, more of it, oh. you know. Have and you been offered more sitcoms since then? No, I haven't. I haven't. I can't think why, <laughs> but I haven't. Are there any roles you've turned down over the years and later regretted not taking? No, I, I don't think so. There's one I was offered and couldn't take. A hundred years ago, Peter Brook asked me to play Juliet. Right. And the day before, I had just signed to do a very commercial film and in my innocence then I thought they'd let me out because how much better to play Juliet but they didn't see it that way (laughs) Of all your work what are you most proud of? Oh heavens 
my one-woman show, I suppose. Um, I played Desiree Armfeld in A Little Night Music, which was supposed to... I said I wanted to do a musical and hide, so it started in, in the Northcote Theatre, Exeter. And Duncan Weldon, do you know Duncan? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, yeah. He, he was there the first preview and thought it was terrific, and we, we did a national tour which cleaned up like nothing else on earth, and it was just wonderful. And that was the perfect part at the perfect time in my life and everything, and that was great. It was a wonderful production. How have you managed to retain such a strong reputation and high work standards throughout your career? I suppose because I, I always go to the nth degree to be good. Mm-hmm. I mean, I try to be good at everything I do. I, uh, doesn't everybody else? I don't understand, yeah. really. Yeah. Over the years, has it been difficult to live up to your sexy, even racy screen image in real life? I've never tried. <laughs> I mean, I am what I am, as they say. Yes. I, I mean, I know from the point of view of um, photography, I, I can have the most wonderful relationship with the camera lens. I'm just fortunate like that. I'm able to, to make it a person and a very intimate person, which a lot of people can't do. I think that's fortunate. I, I don't think of myself as sexy, but I guess it must be there somewhere. To what extent do you feel show business has taken its toll on your personal life? <sighs> well, it must have to a certain extent, certainly. I mean, if you're married to somebody who is also an actor and you're much more successful than they are, it ain't a funny situation. And the other person has to be superhuman, I think, to bear it. What are your two adopted children up to now? My adopted daughter is a teacher, and my son has, um, he's a, what do you call him, an event organiser. Weddings and boo-ha-has of all sorts, he sorts out. They're Uh both absolutely lovely, and I'm very, very lucky. Do you see a lot of them? Oh, yes, and they gave me a surprise birthday party. Was it last week or the week before? That was quite terrific. May we know if there's a man in your life now? Uh, you may know that there is someone that I don't see that often, but there is a man in my life, yes. What would it take for a man to march you down the aisle again? <laughs> a great deal. <laughs> <laughs> a great deal of what, though? <laughs> um, no, uh, I don't ever want to. Why? To, to march down the aisle. Oh, I love my life the way it is. I mean, I love men, and it would be nice if I had one that was to hand. She's not awfully to hand, oh, right. the, the problem. You've been quoted as saying you're, you'd be hell to live with. Why is that? Yes. Well, because I, I've got to a stage now where... I think I've always been difficult, but I've got to a stage now where um, I like what I like when I like it, <laughs> and I don't really want anybody to, to put their two pennies in. Okay. I mean, it's just dreary of me. I, if I want to eat at nine o'clock at night or four o'clock in the morning or whatever, I can do that. I don't want to have to... I, it's thoroughly selfish. I, I don't want to have to, to consider anybody else. May we know roughly where you live now? Yes, in uh, West London, West 11, yes. And do you have any other homes in Britain or abroad? No, I'm hoping to get one in Spain. I've been on the hunt, but I haven't been successful yet. To what extent is there evidence of your career in your home? Well, my BAFTA's on the piano. 
<laughs> I have another award that's propping up a door. <laughs> and in my study, where nobody else needs to go, I've got quite a few things from my career. Pictures, I mean. But I think, looking around my sitting room, there's a screen that has lots of snaps in it, which you'd have to go and take out to look at. You've got very little to do with my career, actually. Do you still spend spare time watching court cases at the Old Bailey and so on? Oh, no, I wish I could. I, the press has ruined that for me, actually, by, by saying I like doing that. Well, I do like doing I haven't had much time to do it recently. But I do like doing that. I find it fascinating. How often do you watch your earlier work on TV or video now? Never. Oh, why is that? I never watch my work. Never have done? <clears throat> no, I don't. I, I mean, I do. They gave me um, a batch of Avengers when they went on video, and I haven't watched any of them yet. To what extent do you feel you've been given the credit you deserve in your career? Well, that's rather grand, isn't it? The credit I deserve. Um, oh, I think, I think, yes, I think, fair, fair. I, I mean, I haven't get, been given the opportunities I would like to have had in many ways for the reason we started off with, mm. the glamour bit and all that. Yeah. But um, as far as um, credit goes, yes, I think. I think there's a certain bias in some journalists that they look upon me as, somebody who is glamorous and they don't think of me. I mean, I think they're all rather astonished when my one-woman show comes up because they obviously didn't think I was capable because there's a certain variety in it, you know. How much fan mail do you get these days compared to your Avengers days? Oh, well, not, of course, the same as the Avengers, but I don't know, about 100 a week, I think. Wow. How much do you get there in those days, then? Oh, I don't know. Oh, God, I don't know. And they kept a lot of it from me because it was wicked. (laughs) (laughs) We had a very, very proper publicity woman. And we we couldn't show you that on. So funny. I mean, I was much less shockable than she was. What's the greatest compliment you've ever been paid? Oh, uh, I haven't any idea. I mean, if anybody thinks I'm terrific on stage, I suppose it's the greatest compliment. But then you never know if they mean it. (laughs) It's like all those wonderful things you say in the dressing room when you haven't really enjoyed it. But the best one I heard was that the American one where you go backstage and you say, boy, were you on that stage? (laughs) Which is wonderful because it doesn't mean anything at all. You've been labelled Britain's most glamorous granny. How do you feel about that? Well, I wish I was. (laughs) I'm not a granny and I want to be a granny. Right. Do you think you will be? Oh, yes, I will be, because both my children want children. They just haven't found the right partner. How fit and healthy are you now? How fit and healthy? Oh, uh, fairly fit, I would say. Well, pretty damn fit. And healthy, yes. I mean, I still, when I get the time, get to exercise glass and all that. Oh, yes, I couldn't bear to be flobby and baggy and ghastly. Do you want to live to a ripe old age? Only if, oh, that makes me laugh, only if I've got my marbles. It, you know it was my birthday a couple of weeks ago, and a friend sent me a sort of powder bowl, which is charming, but inside there was a little plastic bag of marbles. And I thought, God, what earth is this? What is he? And he said, just in case, on it. And I thought, what is this? And I turned it over, and on the back he'd cut a piece out of a newspaper, which was a picture of me with a quote that said, I don't mind getting old as long as I keep my marbles. (laughs) 
I thought it was so witty. <laughs> there are conflicting reports in the press as to what your age actually is. May we know what birthday oh, you just had? Oh, dear, don't start. Okay. Sorry, I apologise for that one, then. I, uh, do you ask, I want to know if you say to Jack Heston or Peter O'Toole or whoever it is, do you say, and what is your age now? Well... Do you? I, I apologise. Yes, okay. Uh, are any of your dreams left unfilled still? Unfulfilled? Oh, yes, I expect so. Maybe I know. can't think what they are. Oh, I don't know. Do you have any regrets about your life? I would like to have made the odd marriage work, yes. I would like not to have been divorced because I think it damages your children. And if you've got a couple of adopted children, it's the less good idea. But that's... You have to make a choice as to what's good for them and you. Otherwise, I don't think I have any regrets. How hard has it been to cope with two broken marriages over the years? Not easy is the answer, but mm. um, one has to adapt. I mean, that's why life is so wonderful now, that one has actually got through it all. One's children are quite, quite lovely and don't appear to be too hideously damaged. And one is free to do what one likes. And, and I certainly feel that I've done my best, that's all, as far as the family was concerned. And um, we have a lovely relationship. And I think I'm very, very fortunate. How would you like to be remembered after you're gone? Uh, I think I would like people to think that I was warm and fun and understanding to be with. How do you feel about the fact that you'll probably always be best remembered as Cathy Gale or Pussy Galore? Well, I think I'm very fortunate if anybody remembers me at all. Do you have an ideal epitaph? Oh, God, I never thought about that. She tried, <laughs> I should think. Always very trying, I don't know. <laughs> no, she tried, I think.